Welcome to Bob Cargill's Marketing Show, a ridiculously awesome podcast bursting with insightful commentaries and intriguing conversations on the topics and issues that are on the minds of marketers, advertisers, social media, and PR professionals today. Hey, everybody, this is Bob Cargill from Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. I'm recording today's episode on Friday, December 4, 2020. A beautiful afternoon. The sun is shining behind me through the window. It's, it's unseasonably warm temperatures here in Sudbury, Massachusetts. I hope life is good where you are. We're during the pandemic. We're, we're well into the pandemic, the coronavirus crisis. So we're all hunkering down. And I'm thinking of you. Hope you are all staying well during these difficult days. Hey, this is Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. But today, we're not going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about inspiration and overcoming challenges. And we're going to talk with a very good friend of mine from my hometown where I grew up in Franklin, Massachusetts. I know Debbie Bean from church. I know Debbie from Franklin, where I grew up, and I know Debbie as someone I look up to and admire and respect so, so much. She's full of strength and courage and, and faith, and I think when you hear her story, you will be inspired beyond belief. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Debbie Bean. Debbie, say hello to everybody. Hi, everyone. My name is Debbie, and I want to thank Bob Cargill for this opportunity to discuss my endeavors. Endeavors, yes, indeed, Debbie. And, and of course, I know your story, and you told your story recently at the Franklin United Methodist Church, a church I went to as a kid, and I've been going back to getting to be a fairly regular attendee, if you will, uh, in, in my adult life. I, I skipped church for many, many years, but I've been going back. My mother goes there. She's 89 years old, and she goes very, very faithfully. I know you attend very, very faithfully, and that's where you and I have, have reconnected. Of course, we're doing it virtually via uh, Google Meet or Google Hangout. However, Jacob, uh, Pastor Jacob does it. Um, he does it really, really well. Such a great pastor. But, but anyways, you told your story, Debbie, just a week or two ago in church, and I have a copy of the text you shared, and, and, and I caught just the end part of it. I tuned in a little late, and I reached out to you, and I said, I need to see the whole story. And when I saw the whole story, hey, you and I talked, I think it was a year or two ago, I said I would love to interview you one of these days, and you finally said yes. And, and so I'm so happy that we're talking today, and... I want to get right to the, the, the point where you were in the hospital. So we're going to jump around here. But of course, I know your story. Viewers don't. In December 2006, you were in the hospital with a very serious illness, so serious that the doctors told your family to say goodbye to you. Can you tell us what happened? And you can take as much time as you want to, to tell that story. Yeah. The funny thing is, December 18th, um, I went to bed that night feeling fine. The next morning, I just couldn't get out of bed. And that's how quickly it just came over me. When on me, she called the ambulance. And the last thing I remember was when they pulled me out of the ambulance. 
coming out of my bedroom and they were bringing me downstairs and that's when I went out. I vaguely remember going into the, um, the car, but the ambulance, but, um, and that was it. Then I was out. So I don't remember anything from that point until I woke up sometime in January. And this was after they had amputated both my hands and my feet. Um, and they had me so heavily sedated that when I did wake up, I was kind of like, oh, I don't have a hand. Oh, that's nice. Go back to sleep again. So it never really hit me like, oh my God, I don't have hands or feet. Uh, it just every day. And then my family would come in to talk to me and they, I would ask them, you know, what's going on. And they'd have to tell me all over again. It was like that movie that the thing just keeps happening over and over again. But finally um, sunk in because I was at UMass in Worcester for two months being so heavily sedated. And um, my brother said he was talking to one of the doctors and they told him that if they did their job right, I wouldn't remember anything. And they were right. I don't remember anything other than the day when they sent me in the ambulance from UMass to a rehab center in Leicester, Mass. Um, that's when I started to slowly wake up because the medication was wearing off. And then I started to realize what was going on. And um, in the meantime, my poor family, they were being told to say their goodbyes to me because I wasn't gonna make it. And um, they called in a friend of mine who's a deacon in the Catholic church. He came in and he said prayers for me I think the minister from the Methodist church came over and he said prayers for me and no one thought I was going to make it, but I did. And when I went to rehab, all the nurses there said to themselves, she's not going to make it. Well, I proved them all wrong. You sure did. And I'm here today because of the care that I got and the family support that I have. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. And because you are ridiculously strong, Debbie, and, oh, and well, courageous. It's funny you say that strong thing because I always proud, prided myself on being physically strong. I was one of the strongest people in my family, uh, physically. And when I went to, um, a couple of years later, I went to a convention in Florida for um, the amputees and talking about this virus that everyone got and they said that most people die from it but hmm. only ones that survive are the ones that were strong look so at that yep strong saved my life really being physically strong and, physically and i think strong and i think emotionally strong because yeah. you have such well, a positive my, attitude you're so um, perseverant well thank you in my um subconscious state I was having semi-conscious, wild, vivid dreams. And I kept telling God, I will not die. I will not die. I will not die, I kept telling him. And I think between that, my strength and my will power and the grace of God, that's why I'm here today. Amazing, amazing story. What is the exact name of the illness and how how rare is it that that you were affected by? It's not that by? rare. It's not that rare. At first, I thought I had meningitis. 
meningococcal whatever, and it wasn't meningitis. They determined it was um, streptococcemia or pneumococcemia. They're both in the same family, and that's what I caught as a virus. But because in 1999, I had my spleen removed for another issue, and because I didn't have the spleen to fight this virus, um, that's what made it take over my body and cause the sepsis. That's what you, I have your yes. notes, the streptococcemia. Right. And because you didn't have your spleen, which had been right. removed, say, seven years ago or so, before that event, right. you weren't able to, to your body right. wasn't able to fight this off. Like and everyone it else could, right. It resulted in they had to amputate your hands and your feet. Yes, because they had turned black with gangrene. What oh. they did was they gave me a medication when I was in UMass to restrict my blood flow in order to keep the blood flow in my torso, which would keep me alive. But in the process, my hands and feet turned black with gangrene because they oh. did not receive the blood flow. And then when they amputated my hands and feet, I miraculously just started getting better every day. Are there any other besides, and that's, those are huge, that's a huge loss. Uh, I can't imagine, Debbie. But besides that, are there any other lasting effects from that illness? Now, Physical. Yes, I, I have, um, they treated me like a burn patient because I have, um, what the sepsis did was it burnt me from the inside out oh. instead of the outside in. So I, my legs and my arms have scar tissue and a little bit on my face, but it's not noticeable unless I point it out to someone. Interesting. Um, that's that's uh, the damage that was left from the sepsis. And do you get care physically for what happened to you to this day? Uh, in no, terms not not for that. No, that's been resolved. There's nothing more they can do for me. Amazing. Amazing. We're going to get back to this, but I have so many questions and I want to make sure we cover your, your entire life if possible sure. in, in half <laughs> sure. an hour, 40 minutes. Prior to all of this, what was life growing up like for you in, in Franklin? And I grew up there too. I think yeah. you're about four years older than me. So we... Yeah. I remember you well, Bobby, um, because we were older than you, the girls and I that, that hung out in the church, we used to think you were the cutest thing ever, because one day you started saying all your words with an S on the end of it. Do you remember that? I do not remember that. And we just thought that was the cutest thing, because you were saying all your words with an S on the end. <laughs> You're making <laughs> me, me blush, and you're also making me feel good, Debbie. I need oh. to hear these positive words, so thank well, you. Well, we, we, all, we all enjoyed you. You were just so cute. And, and I remember you, Bobby, all through high school and everything, so you were always just a good guy. What about your, 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 you shared a little bit in your talk at the church, and you were there in person, and I was so impressed. You went to the church, and, and, and only a few people, I think, were in the church, but you were there up, up on uh, the, at the altar, and, and it was an impressive talk. What I only saw, again, the last few minutes of it. I apologize for missing the beginning. That's okay. But I have the notes here, and you're telling me the whole story, as well as a lot of viewers and <laughs> listeners, the whole story today. 
yeah. what about just growing up as a child? You said a few okay. things about what it was like as a kid yeah. in Franklin. Yeah, um, Franklin is an amazing town to grow up in. There's a lot of services here for the kids. And when we were growing up, we were bored because there was nothing to do. Now it's different. Now there's a lot more for the kids. But it was always a very stable town. It's, you've probably heard, it's, it was voted the safest place in America to per capita, per, crime per capita. And that's a good thing. Yes, very good thing. Yes, we felt safe. We felt secure. I mean, we could walk down the street. Well, life was different back in the 50s and 60s. And yes. now. I could walk down the street and ride my bike down the street and go wherever I wanted. And now you just can't. You can't. Because number one, the traffic. And number two, the, the way the civilization is now. It's just a different life. Sure. Than it was back then. But back then, it was just amazing growing up. And even now, the people that live here love this town. Everyone on Facebook say what a good town it is to live in. So I feel very blessed that I grew up here. And when I got married and left, I was sad. I wanted to be here. But we lived in Bellingham, and then I lived in Blackstone, and whatever. For 16 years, I was not here. So when it finally came to push come to shove, when my mom and the house was up on the market, was going to be on the market. Uh, all the four of us kids got together and nobody really wanted it except me. I wanted to give it a try. So I ended up buying the house I grew up in, which is kind of neat. That is. My daughter and my granddaughters are, are here with me. They live upstairs and uh, they're growing up in this house, which is, is a really neat thing to do. So you just. Prove the the adage you can't go back home again. You did go back home again, yeah. and you love it. Yeah, and, yeah. and I yeah. love going back to Franklin to visit my mom. Yes, absolutely. And the church was always a good place for me to grow up in. Uh, a lot of good friends, a lot of good um, things going on. We had the MYF. Remember that Methodist Youth. Yes, you, again, you were a better churchgoer and still are than oh, I oh, was well, in Am. Well, I didn't belong to that. <laughs> oh, many years I didn't go to church for one reason or other, and that's another story for another day. But I came back about, I don't know, about three years ago I came back, and I've been going just about every Sunday since. Okay, you're making me feel better because I, I actually, it's only done the last You said you were gone years. for a while too. Yeah, I was gone for yeah, quite can, a while. <laughs> I would go I once. I to that. Yeah, I'd go once or twice a year, Easter and Christmas maybe. You uh, did more than I did. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> then I'm feeling good all over today during this conversation, good. Debbie. Good. I, I want to focus, if you don't mind, on, again, I look at you as such an inspiration, and, and I know, look how positive you are, and you're smiling, and you're telling me, you know, we're sharing some great, great fond memories and, and talking so positively about Franklin, as we should, but people don't know how much loss you, you've overcome. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's a, yeah. a long list. Um, yeah. Can you talk about some of the loved ones you've lost uh, and yeah. some of it right around the time you were some of these losses you know when you needed folks so daily and, and deeply but unfortunately they were struggling as well can you talk about some of that yeah my um grandmother actually let me back up my first marriage i was right out of high school and 
I just thought you had to get married because my parents had a good marriage and I wanted that too and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of, my first job I took out of high school, I met this guy and I thought he was funny. He made me laugh. And uh, we ended up dating and then getting married and we had two kids. And then five years later, he decided he wanted a divorce because it wasn't working. So um, that ended that. And then right after I got divorced, um, I had to quit my job because my, my ex-husband was my babysitter and we only had one car that he took. And then right after that, my grandmother died mm. in May of 78. And I was very close to her. And when she died, it, it really bothered me. And, but I, I held on to it because when we went to her funeral, it was so beautiful. The minister there did such a wonderful job on her service. And I thought to myself, she died of old age. And I thought, that's what life's all about. You know, it was beautiful. It hurt deeply, but it was beautiful at the same time. So then two months later, I got a call at work. Come to the hospital. Your father was in an accident. Yeah. Oh. And I got to the hospital and he had my, there's my mother sitting in a chair crying, dad's gone. And I still to this day haven't gotten over that. Losing my dad was just the worst thing ever. So sudden, so shocking. Yes. Yes. So I ended up going into therapy because, well, I wasn't in there that long. And the therapist said to me, Debbie, there's really nothing wrong with you. You've just had to deal with so much so quickly that you haven't been able to stand up from one thing before the next thing knocks you down again. Because in an 18-month period, I lost my grandmother, my father, my husband, my house, and my job. All I had on me was clothes on my back and uh, two beds for my kid, their clothes and their two beds. So I moved in with my mother here at this house when she was alive. I was here for 18 months before I went out and got my own books, but um, that was quite a life changer right there. All those losses so quickly. And Debbie, you say that therapist said something about you, you, you had dealt with so much and, and quote or, or paraphrase that that's all that was wrong with you, but it's understandable that emotionally, there would be a lot that you were struggling with because of all that loss. Right, right. And then, and that was just the beginning. <laughs> yes. And I, I want to hear the middle and the end as well. Um, <laughs> but I want to interject with, you know, whatever he or she said uh, is understandable, but I would contradict him or her a little bit in that. Think of how you did get back up on your feet and, and, after falling down and you have gotten back up on your feet after falling down countless times in your life. So, um, I mean, you could be in my mind, doling out the counseling and the therapy. And that's why I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Cause I think wow. you can help so many others by sharing I hope so. your story. Yeah, I hope so. Tell us about there's more. It, 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 your mom, I remember your mom. And I think yep. when I was little, my mom would, I think, bring me over to your house. Or, or I remember your mom, and I think I had yeah. been to your house when we were little. Yeah. What? What? 
tell us her story, if you don't mind. No. She, um, in 1998, I believe, she had a stroke. And we had to help her out. And it was just so weird seeing her as a patient rather than a mother. And, um, but we did. We, we managed to somehow get through that. And then she was okay until about 1984 when they found out she had breast cancer and they wanted to do a mastectomy on her and they did. And then she was considered cancer free for, I think, I don't know how many years she was considered cancer free until she wasn't. And it came back. Uh, it metastasized, is that the word? Yep. Into her body. So she ended up with bone cancer and um, she passed away in 2001 because of that. And she, when my father died, my mom handled all the service and everything and we never got involved. But when she died, my brothers and my sister and I had to handle all the, the wake and the burial issues. And you don't, you don't know what's involved until you go through it. And it was just heartbreaking to have to go through all that, make all those decisions. Yeah, again, and life didn't after that get any easier for you no. uh, by by any no. means. Um, no, I got I got remarried the second for the second time before my mother passed. So she knew I was remarried, but she knew it wasn't the best thing. There's issues. We had issues, and um, I was trying to ignore them like I did the first marriage. But he ended up not wanting to go on with it, and. Again, I ended up alone. But in the meantime, and I had one day I wasn't, we had a pool in the backyard and I had gone out to swim and down and I see all these bruises all over my body. I didn't know what, where they came from. So I said, I better go to the doctor and have a checkup because I hadn't had a checkup in a while. And that's when they found out that I had called ITP, which is idiopathic thrombocytopenia purpura. It's a name for my spleen, my um, system attacks my platelets because they think they're foreign. Mm -hmm. And back then it was the first line of defense was to take your spleen out because back then they thought the spleen was the culprit. Come to find out it wasn't the culprit for me because it never fixed the problem Well, afterwards. So and I still have the issue with the low platelet count. Ah. And without the spleen, that's when I caught this virus and right. all this trouble. You 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 um, played the 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 cards you you've been dealt very well, Debbie. And, yes. and you well, you had go ahead. Oh, well, I, I was going to say I've always said to myself I have two choices: I can either laugh or cry, and I don't want to cry. I'd much rather laugh. And after my amputations, I'll show you and maybe you can laugh too. Can you see my arm here? Oh, yes, I do. My arm. I used to hold it up to my therapist one day and I said, doesn't that look like a um, butternut squash? Well, she cracked up. <laughs> said, well, you got to laugh at yourself. That's what it looks like. <laughs> 
Yes, that's so, that's funny, and and you've I have that. You've got to have that attitude. Otherwise, what good? Where would I be? I'd be sulking in a room all by myself, not doing anybody any good. Look at you, Debbie. You're, you know, again, this is why I'm talking to you to today. I've talked to you before, but I wanted to capture this conversation, if you will. Um, it's it's so inspiring to me, and I know anybody who who hears it and and gets to know you. You you have two two children, is that correct? Yes, I do. I have two girls. They're forty. Um, five. Let me see. Let me. And there's someone else that you, 40, you Yeah, that was Mia. She just hugged me. <laughs> my granddaughter. Um, hi, Mia. I'm Bob. You said hi. Said hi, Bob. Hi. <laughs> um, my first was born in '75, so that would make her 42. No, 45. 45. Yeah. 45, and then Karen is 43, and then they each have one child. Um, Logical child, and then they each have one adopted child. Gotcha. And four, and this is Mia. She's my little six-year-old granddaughter. Awesome. Hi, Mia. Your your grandma's grandmom is awesome. Ridiculously awesome. <laughs> oh, she's leaving. <laughs> so, so there absolutely are silver linings in absolutely. your your story, and, and right. The kids and the grandkids are are those silver linings. And again, exactly. you're exactly. you're sharing your positive attitude, and you're there's there's also a role at the church um, and your belief and and God and uh, plays in all of this. Am yes. I correct? Uh, absolutely, he's the one that helped me through it. Tell me how life changed for you after. The, the 2006 After medical the, event that, that resulted yeah, in the loss when of you. I came, when I came home in August the next year. <laughs> how does one go from, you know, how, how did life change when you lost your hands yeah, and it's your like feet? Going, I can't it's like imagine. Going from six, yeah, it's like going from 60 to zero overnight. And I mean, I was so, my, let me back up a minute. When I was little, I'm so damn independent. When I was little, even my mother would go to do something for me, and I'd say, "No, Debadoo, Debadoo." So I got the name Debadoo because I'm just so independent. But anyway, it that carried with me my whole life, and everything I did, I had to do by myself and prove to myself that I could do it. So that when I bought this house, we had all kinds of evergreens around, and all they were were leaf catchers. It, every the first year, I, I had a hundred bags of leaves that I raked up. So I get so mad at those things that I went out and bought a chainsaw and I chopped them all down. People were going by looking at me like, who's that crazy lady with the chainsaw? <laughs> chainsaw. <laughs> but I did that. I did all the work around. How the did house. you manage that? When I, before, when I was, this was before. Um, so I, uh, yeah, yeah. Be, okay. I taught myself. Yeah. yeah. I just taught myself. How so to because of how strong and industrious My independence. you are, I've always been, that's how you survived the, the after oh, the yeah. incident because yeah. you, you were built strong to adapt. I was. I was. And then before this all happened, after I bought the house, before this all happened, 
That's when I was doing everything in the house, raking leaves and cutting down trees and painting and wallpapering and you name it, I did it. Uh, carpentry, I was building um, two tables the night before I got sick. I was in the basement with doing carpentry. I just love all that kind of stuff. And then have this happen and I have to realize I can't do that anymore. I just have to watch other people do it. It killed me. That, that, that was the worst part, just watching other people do the things that I used to do that I couldn't do anymore. But I, I know there are things you do do and yeah. have learned to do. Yes. You invent things, you, yes. you improvise. I think you drive a vehicle. Yeah, I so do. you, you do with... some amazing things. <laughs> well, this Talk happened about in 2000. This happened in 2007. In 2009, I believe it was, my previous employer told me that I should go with the mass rehab. And I was like, well, what are they going to do? And she says, I don't know. They have all kinds of programs. Try it out. So I did. I went and tried it out. And lo and behold, they said to me, if you buy a van, we'll have it adapted for you. But the only catch is you have to agree to go back to work. I was like, work? Well, hire me. And what can I do like this? And um, so they sent me to the Easter Seals to have a driving test, which is amazing. I think everyone that gets a license should go through that test. It's just amazing. And then they did all these, these different adapt, um, adaptability functions of things that I could and could not do. They had checklists and everything and this and that. And then um, they determined that I could go back to work. And it just struck me. I was like, yeah, but who's going to hire me still, even if I can do this? So they had a meeting one day with apparently HMEA in Franklin here has a job coach that works with Mass Rehab. And she finds jobs for the people like me who need them. Well, when she came in and was talking with the Mass Rehab guy and myself, the three of us, I told her, I said, I'm, I really would like to work for a nonprofit somewhere in Franklin because I really don't want to travel too far. And, I just don't like the corporate business too much anymore. It turned me off the jobs I had. She said, okay. She says, well, HMEA is nonprofit. Maybe we could use you. So she went back to whoever, and then they, they hired me. They hired me temporarily as a um, the receptionist. They wanted me full-time, and I couldn't work full-time. So then they said, well, there was another, they had a database issue. They had all these clients and no database to put them in. So they had no idea where the clients were, what conditions they had or whatever. Would I be willing to start a database for them with their software? And I said, yeah, that sounds very interesting. Debbie so do. Like, yeah, Debbie do. So <laughs> Part-time on my hours because with I'm on SSDI and they only let you work so many hours before yeah. they cut you off. Mm -hmm. So it was determined I could work X amount of hours. So they hired me for X amount of hours. And I started doing this job for HMEA in their data entry um, database. And it just took off. Are you was, still working there or did you? How I long? am. You are? I am. 
That is amazing. So I, I, I know that organization, HMEA.org, I believe would, would be their website. Yes. I did a road race once yeah. or twice. Yeah. They had a 5k, I think. We have that every year. Yeah, I did that yeah. back a number of years ago, at least once, maybe twice. I can't remember. But yeah. I know that organization because I get their mailings because I got on their mailing list as a yeah. result of doing that race. Yeah. And I, until today, I didn't know you worked there. You may have told yeah. me and I forgot. I'm that sorry. Awesome. <laughs> no, that's, yeah. So, so, and you drive yourself to work. I do. So the car they adapted for me, um, the adaptations cost more than the car did. And the state paid for all that. So I was very grateful. And that's awesome still have to this day. And I bought that in 2010, so it's already 10 years old. So starting to show its age. So it works. I and, asked you how life changed and it sounds like nothing changed. What changed, Debbie? <laughs> you just aren't what using changed? that you aren't using that chainsaw out in the yard. Um, no, I can't. But I bet use you could I bet you could do anything uh, you wanted to, needed to do. Almost. Almost. Uh, maybe. I, I, I do a lot of stuff. The other day I was telling somebody I went, I have an automatic ice maker in my kitchen and I love ice. I just, well, the drink is nothing without ice to me. So I went and I got my cup of ice and didn't I drop it? All the ice went all over uh. the big cup of ice. Now what do I do? So I managed to get a broom and I have one of those sweeper things where you sweep into a scooper. Yeah, scoop. dustpan and, well, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, a, a broom. Yeah, and dust a broom and yeah, a broom and a dustpan dust can to get yeah. together. So I swept all the ice cubes into the tray there, lifted it up and brought it over to the sink, got a halfway over, half the ice went in the sink and the other half went back on the floor. <laughs> so <laughs> here I am sweeping up the rest of the ice. Clearly we 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 joke, but clearly there are limitations. <laughs> and, yes, and, absolutely. In obstacles, uh, I mean that's how I introduced you someone who's overcome so many challenges but yeah clearly but some challenges are not impossible but almost so um yeah with, with i have to laugh at myself because like i said i'm not gonna cry over it it's it just gets funny funny well, you you are blessed with this positive <laughs> attitude um that i again can imagine it, it you're able to accept what limitations you may have, the very few that you may have because of your physical, you know, the illness that, that um, resulted in the loss of uh, your hands and your feet. Um, you're able to accept the few limitations that you have, but emotionally, I bet you have no limitations because you have such a positive mindset. I don't look at you as having any limitations. I mean, I don't uh, hear you as having any limitations. Uh, well, thank you. I look at you and I'm looking into your eyes on Zoom. It's hard to make eye contact. If I'm looking at the camera, yeah. I'm actually looking up here. I'm looking right there at you and I'm okay. saying, I see this, this amazingly strong person, amazingly uh, courageous and inspirational and, and with a great sense of humor and, and, <laughs> I didn't know it's Debbie Do. Am I saying or what? Uh, Debba, say Debba Do. Debba Do. <laughs> Almost like Yabba Do. Yabba Dabba Do yeah, from the Flintstones. Right. Yabba Do. Debba Do. Debba Do. <laughs> um, tell me so on 
that note, Deb, do what else besides work and 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 I, what else do you do? What do you do for fun? What do you do for well, relaxation? I, 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 uh, well, what's a typical day besides work for for Debbie Bean? Computers. I'm on the computers a lot because I work at home now, so I'm either working on my there's two computers side by side here. I'm either working or I'm on their computer or I'm playing on my computer. Other than that, I watch TV. Pandemic wasn't here. I go shopping at Walmart or grocery stores or go visit a friend, whatever. If I could get in their house, uh, which is that's a battle right there. Um, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> the houses need to be, and they're not required uh, yeah. to be by law, um, uh, accommodating to, to right, right your your wheelchair. Have to be, yeah, I'd have to be able to roll in, and I don't have too many friends that are on that level where I could roll into their apartment. So. Anyway, so that's what I would do on a typical day. Now I'm stuck to TV and the computers. And I see you on Facebook a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah, on Facebook <laughs> we, a lot. We both like Facebook. We Yeah. But um, to add insult to injury, in 2012, I was diagnosed with having, um, after the, oh, no, before, this is before that. Yeah, 2012, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I had a double mastectomy and they only wanted to take one breast. And I just said, no, I said, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to yep. get, because I don't want to have to come back another time and worry about the other one. So I had both removed and so far so good on that. No God problem. bless you, Debbie. And I, I have your list of other, and, and yeah. as we got up to the present time, I was going to ask you about your other health oh, issues. Oh. Cause be, so be, I jumped the gun. No, that's all right. But besides the streptococemia, yep. uh, this breast cancer, what you're describing, um, yep. and, and please jump the gun. Tell, tell us, okay. bring us up to date on, on the Debbie Bean medical history, which okay. is, is... After that happened, um, they found some carcinoma on my back, the back of my shoulder, right behind my neck. So they had to remove that, but he had to make like a scar that went from left to right. And because he had to make sure he had uh, to get all the cancer out. Um, but uh, so that was cancer number two. And then shortly after that, I had a colonoscopy and they removed the pre-precancerous uh, polyp. So I've had three strikes with cancer. And so far I'm winning because in November of 2019, I had a pap smear and I was proven cancer-free. Yay. And I was chairing before yes. you those words came out of your mouth because I have the notes and I knew right, that and about you. you. <laughs> Debbie Bean is cancer-free. Debbie Bean has had uh, more bouts with, with health issues than anyone should ever have to have. Um, I was thinking of the Timex watch, Debbie. I'll, I'll get a little marketing talk in here. Timex watches, um, old commercial um, advertising was takes... Uh, licking and keeps on ticking oh. <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's me you will con um, you continue yeah. to tick and will continue to tick no matter yeah. what you are dealt with because you're you know you, you, you've handled so much um on the attitude actually i call it the triple a effect i think i told you that and tell everybody that attitude adjustment and amen that's amen 
and, and J Pastor Jacob would, would second that, the, the amen yes. part. Um, yes. So attitude, um, tell us about your attitude. Were you just born you with to, that? Well, you have to have a good attitude because there isn't, there isn't, to me, there is no other option because you have to be good, you know, happy with your situation and deal with what you have. Like you said, the cards that you're dealt with and you have to be happy with it because if, if I was to be, Debbie Downer <laughs> and just complain about everything, I would hurt myself and everyone else that was listening to me. And what good would that do? Yeah, you're you're no Debbie Downer, you're the opposite, you're Debba Do. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> um no, you're you're the complete opposite of, of Debbie Downer. You're you're uplifting and then the adaptability. Um yep. tell us about that. Yep. If you can't do something one way, you find another way to do it. You adapt. Like um, when I first came home from rehab, I couldn't do much for myself because everything was always done for me in there and I hadn't learned how to do anything yet. But slowly, every day, I told myself, I want to teach myself something every day, or at least a couple times a week, just to learn something new of what I can do. And you know, at first it was slow. Oh, I can do this or I can do that. And then I found a magazine that sold products for um, people with um, hand control issues. Like, um, I forget what they call that. Anyway. That's okay. Neuropathy or, or no, neuralgia? Or, yeah. No, arthritis. Arthritis, yeah, yeah. People with arthritis issues. I have catalogs. Mm -hmm. I self hold of one, and I found so many products that I could use that I started buying, like, everything I could buy. And, and, you know, and then I found a can opener thing that I stick it, stick it in my mouth and put it under the lid of the can and then just lift it up, and I can open up my can of soda. I go to my refrigerator and get my ice that I dropped and I bring it to the table and I can pour the soda right. You know, I couldn't do that when I first came home. I taught myself all those things, you know, and uh, there's just so many things that I can do now. I can see you having your own book about your life story someday. Oh. Deb, Deba do um. if that's what you want. <laughs> uh, I could see you writing it or someone writing it about you because you know it's an amazing story and 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 again that's why I wanted to talk to you on camera and and for my podcast today I wanted other people to hear it. What yeah. what do you say to people if they, in other words, a lot of people don't aren't blessed and or able to have the attitude you have. What about people who? complain about geez some, some someone might have a headache and they think it's the worst day of their life yeah. how do you what do you say to them how do you encourage them people well usually i don't have to because norm i've had had people come up to me and say gee today i had a really bad headache but after i met you my problems don't seem so bad anymore so thank you <laughs> so i really don't have to say anything they see it for themselves See that? That's why you're you're magic. You're you're oh. <laughs> no. When you think about it, see, that's your superpower. That you are just being around you brings people up, and who doesn't want to have their spirits lifted? Oh, 
um, you're too kind. No, no, it's it's from the heart, Debbie. It's from the mm -hmm. heart. Uh, it it's it's just coming out of me how how I feel about you. Is there anything I haven't asked that you want to say? Any? Uh, Actually, no. I thought of two other other things that. <laughs> Not to add insult to injury again, but I also had um, two C-sections when my kids were born, and I had a colon, yeah, colonoscopy. I'm not a colonoscopy. Oh, I'm at loss for words here now. That's all right. It, it, these things are adding up, and yeah. it might blur it together. Yeah, my um, had to be removed. My spleen, and there was another organ. <laughs> You, you've had so many procedures yeah, and surgeries. I, I counted them one day. Hard to keep, there was keep like up 10 with or them. 12, 10 or 12 different surgeries I've had over the course of everything we count. Well, if you think about it in the next few minutes, let, let us know. But yes. two yes. C-sections and another organ removed in addition yeah. to your spleen is what you're right. saying. Right. Plus the bouts with cancer and, and the, the streptococcemia. Uh-huh. Which was the 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 worst uh, uh, blow that you were were dealt that you again you have overcome remarkably well um, physically and emotionally. Can people connect with you, Debbie, if if they were listening and wanted to reach out to you? I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this question, so I no, don't want to catch you off guard. How how could people reach you if they wanted to? either email or social media? Um, I started a blog, but I never, I just never finished it. Um, they could email me. Um, it's my name backwards. And so it's Bean Debbie, B-E-A-N-D-E-B-B-I-E at outlook.com. Okay. Bean Debbie, B-E-A-N-D-E-B-B-I-E at outlook.com. If, if people want to reach out to Debbie, I would highly, highly recommend you as a friend, Aww. not even a question, but also as a motivational speaker, as the subject of a book, as someone just whose presence, mere presence alone makes people feel good and makes people realize that it puts your story puts things in perspective and your attitude is, is infectious and, and uh, should be the attitude I wish everybody had in this world, that the world would be much better if we all could look at things the way Debbie Bean looks at things. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Bob. Thank you so much for your time. And I, I know you know, you've inspired the heck out of me and will continue to do so. And I know anyone who is watching this episode and listening will be, is inspired and motivated. Thanks again, Debbie Bean. Well, thank you, Bob. You've done um, a lot for me by doing this. My, my pleasure. You're, you're an amazing person and have an amazing story to share. And I, I, just want to thank those who have tuned in to watch and listen to Bob Cargill's marketing show today, an episode not about marketing, but about the ridiculously awesome Debbie Bean, whose oh. story is inspirational 
because she is an inspiration. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you to everybody who's watching and listening today. And I will see you, talk to you again soon. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Debbie.